Sorry, I don't love you. A friend I've grown accustomed to. Because with you, if something isn't wrong, something isn't wrong, something isn't right. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. This week we have another TV show that we will be talking about. But first, I want to introduce our guest, MJ. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm glad uh, to be on the Welcome to Geekdom podcast. Finally, yes, I know. It's been a little while since we've podcasted together, but for anyone who doesn't know, MJ and I hosted sports up together for about, I want to say, 33 episodes or so, and then we retired that one. And I started up this one, so today we are going to be talking all about Gotham, and it's in its third season right now, so we will do this a bit like we did the Arrow podcast, if you guys listened to that. It was the one right before this that I did with Craig Manning, so we're going to talk about casting a bit, and then the choices they've made for each of the three seasons so far, and sort of what we think will happen with the rest of season three. So, MJ, casting is a huge part of any TV show, especially if you want it to run for, you know, more than one season, it seems, these days. So what do you think of their choice to, you know, cast Ben McKenzie as Jim Gordon? I think, especially if you look at the season, because I've been watching Gotham since the first season and, and kind of been reviewing it. Yeah, I think Ben McKenzie as James Gordon has been awesome because you get to see like the development of James Gordon almost as like a conflicted character, especially when you get into the ne- the newer season. Right. And, you know, the first the first season is kind of like you know uh, a buddy cop kind of kind of thing between him and Bullock, but uh, when, once you go into season two and season three, you almost see. Because obviously Batman isn't in it, you know what I mean? He's a teen, Bruce Wayne is a teen. Right. You get to see, like, almost this Bruce Wayne-like quality in James Gordon. Like, you never, when you read the comics, it, it you know, it's always like... Commissioner Gordon uh, and everything. Like, yeah. he's already done his time as an officer, and we sort of see him in the aftermath of all of that. Yeah, he... He, he's kind of like, you know, like the conjunction to Batman. He's kind of like, oh, well, you know, like he's the overhead. Here, you actually see him as a young man, and he's actually conflicted. Like, he's not, like, he's an honest guy, He he but he will do whatever it takes to get the job done. That's kind of like un-Batman, like, you know what I mean? Like, Batman has a code that he, he tries to follow, but, you know, James Gordon sometimes does not. Yeah, and you mentioned it sort of being more of a buddy cop type feel in season one, and they have Donal Logue as Harvey Bullock, and I actually really like him as Bullock just because I feel like he just embodies the character so well when he's on screen, you know, he's definitely this sort of drunk cop who wants to do everything he can but at the same time doesn't really want to take that all home with him like Jim seems to do so I think that was a good fit there and you know you mentioned Bruce Wayne too and I will probably butcher his last name but his name is David Mazow or Mazows, one of the two it depends on if you pronounce yeah. that second Z there but I feel like for him he is definitely 
really great at the Bruce Wayne aspect of the character. And like you said, he's not Batman yet. He's still a teenager. So I'm interested in seeing what they do with him because I feel like Gotham is one of those shows where they could, you know, jump somewhere between three to five years, say in season four or five, and have a totally different actor as a young Batman almost in his, you know, early 20s or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because we don't really know how many seasons of this we're going to get. So we don't even know really if we're going to see Bruce become Batman. And at the point that they're at now, it's not really going to be anytime soon. You see these glimpses here and there, but what do you think of that casting choice for Bruce? I, uh, I didn't like it. I the first season I was kind of like, eh, but because I wasn't really sure where the show was going. Right. I thought it was going to be like more of like a detective type thing that was going to really follow on James Gordon. Because at first, when I heard about Gotham, I'm like, Bruce is a you know Bruce is a kid. You know what I mean? Like, how are you gonna like have a Batman show without Batman? You know what yeah. I mean? But I think the dynamic between him and I think his name was Sean. Pertwee, who's who's Alfred, yeah. is really good because Bruce is kind of like he's he's still grieving his parents, and he's like this awkward, proper, like kid who's still trying to find like his backbone. But Alfred is very much his backbone. He's the muscle. He's uh, the conscience. He's a little bit more firm with, with Bruce, right. but he but he's like you know like. We're in this together, you know what I mean? So, like, there are instances, especially with the new season, season three that we're in, that you see, like, you know, the detective-type thing in Bruce. Uh, You see some Batman-esque qualities that are are coming and whatnot. But I think that um, they did a good job with not necessarily putting Bruce at the forefront James is very much leading the show, like, with his storyline and whatnot. Yeah. But I think Bruce is coming along where now they're going to be parallel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, we can't go through every person in depth, but the show does get some bigger names that we've seen in other TV shows, movies, and whatnot. So we have, you know, John Doman as Carmine Falcone and he's been in stuff he's been acting for quite a long time we have Jada Pinkett Smith as Fish Mooney we have B.D. Wong as Hugo Strange and you know I feel like while not everyone has really liked the Fish Mooney character because I think it's something that is sort of more so formed in Gotham itself than in the comic books and everything. I had never heard of Fish Mooney before this, but, you know, we've heard of Penguin, Joker, Hugo Strange, Mr. Freeze, and a lot of the other villains they've been going back and forth between. So I think, you know, they kind of do a great job of getting some of these bigger names, but not having the show necessarily be all about them. And even when they had Michael Chiklis come in as Barnes, who as we've seen has been you know the boss but it's not like he's taking over that Jim Gordon spotlight or anything like that it's still very much focused on Gordon and Bruce Wayne yeah I definitely think that the the unsung heroes as far as 
the other actors are is definitely Robin Lord Taylor with Penguin. Yeah. Oswald Cobblepot. You see him in the um, the first season as this, like, quabbling, um, like, weakling. Uh, now he's, you know, mayor of the city. Uh, that, that, and the transformation there, I think that he's probably, you know, one if not if the one of the best characters on Gotham. Uh, Corey Michael Smith is Edward Nigma, uh, showing his intelligence and how he's morphing into the whole Riddler character is awesome. And even uh, Aaron Richards is Barbara Keene. Yeah. Uh, you get especially you get uh, she's just you know engaged to. Gordon in the first season and now it's like you know she's her she's doing her own thing in the city the siren club but then you know now you kind of wonder you know with the interactions with Gordon are they like really the ones that are meant to be like that's right that's kind of cool and then I, I don't want to butcher her name but like Carmen bio Bicondova as as Catwoman yeah She's cool, too, because, you know, she, especially with the her and Bruce dynamic, um, the, you know, do they like each other? Do they not? They both have dual lives and whatnot. And she's kind of like a thief, but you can tell that she cares. But, yeah, this show, um, from the first season, it was kind of like aloof, but now it's actually starting to come together. And now you're starting to care for different characters and whatnot. Yeah, so on that note, why don't we jump into the season one discussion? Because I know the way this show started, it kind of deterred some people from continuing with the show because, like you said, it didn't have really a set purpose, it seemed. And in season one, obviously, Jim and Barbara are together, but they are not married or anything. They're living together and... Things seem to go basically downhill from there in regards to their relationship. And I think they introduced a lot of characters in the first season. And I feel like, you know, maybe they did a little too much at once. I think had they kept it simpler, I feel like they would have grabbed a lot more people because, you know, we have these glimpses of Selena with the girl who becomes Poison Ivy and we see Nigma and Cobblepot and it's like they're giving us all these tidbits and we even get Harvey Dent in season one quite a bit. It's just sort of a lot to start a show off with. Obviously, you know, you want to put in these sort of Easter eggs for the big Batman fans, but it's like, for me, it felt like they overdid it in season one to sort of sell the show maybe to the network and get a full season of episodes and then get renewed for a second season. But do you think season one sort of just didn't have enough focus for you? Season one kind of frustrated me yeah, uh, because they, like you said, they introduced way too many characters. Uh, there was, you, you obviously had your main villains, but you also had Harvey Dent that was there. You, you had a scarecrow at one point. Uh, you had it, it was just it felt like it was a show that didn't really have any uniform purpose it just seemed like instances of okay let's 
try to introduce this character from whatever Batman fame. Let's do this. You know what I mean? Let's show, oh, here we go. Oh, oh by the way, here's the Flying Graysons. And right. I'm like, whoa, like, can we get, like, <laughs> a, a singular storyline down? The, the singular storyline is what, what was going on was the mob war between Falcone and Maroney. Right. And then there was Fish Mooney there. And then you had Penguin who was working for Fish Mooney, went to Falcone. Everything kind of just got mixed up and you were just kind of scratching your head like whoa what's going on and then you have gordon who's doing the you know the buddy cop thing with bullock and then there's this tortured thing with gordon that leads him and barbara breaking up and it was just way too much in one season yeah and it wasn't even that they were doing something similar to what the dc shows on the cw were doing which you know for a while in season one of The Flash, it's like they almost had a different villain every week, but they would still sort of have a overall villain for the season. And then in Arrow, it felt like they would have one villain for a little too long during some seasons. Like they should have maybe done half a season with one villain and then made the second half of the season about a different villain. And here it's like, we know who all of these people become already. So I don't think you need to throw all of them at us at once. And while I was still enjoying the show enough to continue watching it, it just felt like they didn't really know what sort of format they wanted to take with this show. And like you mentioned with Falcone and Maroney and, you know, basically the big mob wars going on and they were throwing you all these little bits and pieces here. I think they had basically too many villains without having an actual villain almost because in season one nigma isn't fully nigma yet and it's the same with cobblepot so they just had a little too much going on for me personally in season one but i did like some things about it like you said the relationship with bruce and alfred that's something that's sort of grown really well over these last three seasons and especially with Gotham starting with the death of Bruce's parents which I don't know if it necessarily needed to do that because I feel like that story has been played so many times but at the same time I don't know if there are more casual fans who wouldn't have understood the purpose of Gotham had they not had that scene in there so what is your take on that? Do you think it was necessary to the start of the show? I mean, it was. <laughs> it's kind of like my assessment of Batman and Superman, where they showed the Wayne murder over and over again. I feel like that even if you had the most basic understanding of Batman folklore, you understood that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. Right. They were killed. You know, they were murdered. This would let him. This would let him become Batman. And uh, I mean, as a jumping-off point for a show, if you, I didn't really mind it too much because you may have like the casual viewer or whatnot, and, and maybe to introduce them into that because you know Gotham at first was like this whole noir story, whatnot, like you know this detective story. So maybe it's not that bad. But, I mean, you went from there and then you grew into, like, oh, well, here's Gotham. And, 
you know, a whole bunch of things like Balloon Man and Copperhead. They're just running around and whatnot. And then you're like, oh, 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 who's that? And who's Jonathan Crane? You know what I mean? Like it was comic geeks like, you know, you and me get that. Right. But the casual viewer may not have. You know what I mean? And so it may have been like too much too soon. But I, I didn't have a problem with like starting off the show with that. Yeah, and I feel like at least in Gotham, they didn't so- sort of do like you said with Batman versus Superman. They didn't pound it into your head that, hey, this is what happened to him. It's like you saw the scene and then you saw Bruce struggling with it the entire first season pretty much. And he's sort of just really more so come into his own in the second and third season so why don't we move on to season two here? And this is where they introduce Theo Gallivan. And he's sort of the main villain for this season. So now they've sort of taken that season-long villain format almost. And I feel like this season is where things started to get a bit better. Because while it wasn't all about Theo Gallivan, they still gave us good portions of different villains like in this we had victor frice who is mr freeze and we see the whole situation with him and his wife being sick and he's just trying to sort of find a way to have his wife get better and that sort of takes him into this downward spiral when it fails so i think here we get a lot more of the meteor stories for the villains they're not just throwing things at us left and right at this point and this is when hugo strange also becomes a bigger part of the show and we spend quite a bit more time in arkham asylum do you think season two is definitely where the show started getting better even though it wasn't necessarily perfect yes because they started uh, with Gotham, Gotham, everything's in two halves. Right. And then, then they started with the whole, I think uh, the first half of the season was the rise of the villains. And then the second half of the second season with the wrath of the villains. Okay. Um, so, yeah, because everything started to work towards a common goal whatnot. I know in the beginning of the season, Gordon got fired and the Bullock quit too. And then... Then you start seeing Gordon kind of blur the lines of himself because he started working with uh, Penguin right. to reinstate Gordon. Yeah, it's you start seeing like the flawed, more of the flawed instances of of Gordon, but you start rooting more for him because he's flawed. Yeah. So, and then, and then that's where Barnes comes in. Barnes comes in the season, um, but yeah, then you see. You know, Penguin ascend as, you know, this crime boss who is fighting against Galavan and then Galavan turns into Osriel and whatnot. And then, yeah, I I like the season more. Like, it got me back into the show because I was like, oh, there's a there's a common goal. You know, like Galavan is the bad guy, you know, so now I could focus. Right. And I think putting Arkham Asylum more prominently into season two helps them with the whole plethora of villains situation almost because you can walk through Arkham 
or, you know, Jim Gordon walks through Arkham and you can see all of these characters and it's like they're giving you all these little Easter eggs, but they're not going in depth on any of those characters and they're not having them leave Arkham and causing mayhem. It's like you just see them in this place that really they're supposed to be at. And especially when, you know, we have Edward Nigma in Arkham and you can see like the wheels turning basically and he's trying to plot how he's going to get out and I think that season is really what started to help develop these villains in a much better way than they had in season one and especially just the whole Hugo Strange and Indian Hill storyline I thought that was a really great thing for Bruce to sort of take on and occupy his time with even though it might not have been the smartest idea because he's obviously not Batman yet but I love how much they have Alfred there helping him and you know Alfred has been in the military and all these things he's not just a butler and I think that's when that relationship started to get extremely better because you know in season one I feel like Bruce was sort of just doing whatever he wanted and not really thinking it through or talking it over with Alfred and I think season two is when that sort of trust starts to develop a lot more and he will go to Alfred for help instead of trying to do everything completely on his own I got a question for you because in the beginning of season two they introduced Jerome yeah what did you think about Jerome because I a lot of people I talked to, and at first I thought there was a very mixed reaction because, because everybody's like, well, if you're going to introduce the Joker, introduce the Joker. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I think you have to look at it from the point of Bruce Wayne. You know, we don't see the Joker in the comics until Bruce Wayne is already Batman. That's really when the Joker sor- sort of starts to go after Batman and Gotham as hard as he does and I think introducing a teen version of the Joker and you know with the way things turned out we don't even know if Jerome is actually going to come back at any time and become the Joker because obviously spoiler alert because we're talking about all the seasons but (laughs) Jerome is presumed dead or is dead you know by the end of the season and we haven't seen him brought back. So I was fine with it. And I thought the actor did a really great job sort of playing that sort of psychopath. So it didn't bother me as much as I think it bothered some other critics or just casual fans of the show because he never was the Joker in the same way that Bruce is not Batman right now. So I did not need to see a fully-fledged Joker in season two of this because he would have been a teenager and that would not have made any sense pretty much and it's like we're just now starting to see Cobblepot and Nigma come into their own you know Nigma's not even technically the Riddler yet we just know he really likes riddles and we know who that's who he's going to become but we're not seeing any villain suits or superhero suits or anything like that yet so i think what they're how they're playing it out with these villains is perfectly fine for right now yeah the thing i i like about jerome is if you look at the joker 
Uh, look at the comics. Look at Dark Knight. Look at all of the. The Joker is really a is depicted as a force of nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like wherever there's Batman, there's going to be Joker. He's the he's the omega to Batman's alpha. Uh, he's always going to exist because they can't exist without each other. Um, I think when he dies, they mention like a curse, and he'll be a curse upon Gotham. And then I think when people were watching um, his actions on television, they started having mental breakdowns and whatnot. Right. I I like that aspect because, like I said, the Joker is. Like he said, an agent of chaos. He's not real. He's in a body, but he's really, you know, this evil that will always be in Gotham. As long as Gotham exists, the Joker exists. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I think the second half of season three, I think the preview that has him uh, shows that Jerome is coming back, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, like, we don't even know if he's going to be. The Joker, he he just could be some crazy kid right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he could just be yeah some crazy kid right now. Um, my favorite, my favorite. I know a lot of people say Hugo Strange or whatnot, and his inclusion is great. My favorite storyline of season two is Mister Freeze. Yeah. Um, it was a mini arc that they had, but they portrayed him in a way, and I think Nathan Darrow was Victor Freeze, in a way where he, where he felt for him, like, you, he's more of an anti-hero. He's not doing things just to be, you know, this beloved, you know, jerk or whatnot. He's really just trying to save his wife. Yeah. So, I, it played on the thing where, like, ah, man, like, you know, he is killing people and whatnot, right. but... I feel for him because he's just trying to do the thing to save the person he loves. Yeah, he's definitely one of the more, I guess you could say, sympathetic villains. Whereas Joker, it's very hard to feel bad for the Joker in any (laughs) sense of the word. And, you know, this season ends with all of those Indian Hill experiments escaping. We see Fish Mooney driving the bus the bus crashes and everyone escapes and we see someone who looks just like Bruce. And I think, you know, after having Galavan for pretty much all of the season as a villain, and then he becomes Azrael and the way that whole situation ends, especially with him attacking Barnes and Barnes ending up in the hospital and everything. The fact that they had all of these people escape in the same season sort of leaves you guessing what will happen in season three. And I know season three has had this overall theme. It's kind of like a mad city, mad world type of theme. And I think the way they handled season two is what has allowed them to sort of have more of these villains or more of the people from the Indian Hill experiments come out in season three. And I think they've done a good job with handling it better than they did season one, because 
in the first half of season three, we've seen the Bruce lookalike break into Bruce's house, basically. And, you know, they see each other and they're both equally confused. And this leads Bruce down a rabbit hole to figure out what happened. And he goes and meets with his board and basically tells it like it is. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) he's not going to just step aside from the company simply because he's still a kid. He definitely knows what he is doing and is obviously wise beyond his years simply because of sort of everything he's been through in such a short period of time. So what do you think of this theme for season three and bringing, you know, Fish Mooney back and a lot of these experiments from Indian Hill? And then we even get the whole Leslie Tompkins storyline that has absolutely nothing to do with any villains at all, really, until, you know, the mid-season finale, basically. So it's like they're tugging at a bunch of different things with this season, you know. Jim becomes a bounty hunter when he's not a cop, and then he returns as a cop. And you have the woman he loves going to marry the son of a Falcone. And I feel like there's a whole lot happening personally for Jim that sort of makes the way he handles these villains even better. Uh, Currently, season three is my favorite season. Yeah. Uh, because it feels like everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a natural purpose. Uh, you mentioned Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon right now is my favorite character because you start to see it in season two that he's broken and he's already lost a lot. Now he lost Lee. Right. Uh, so, like, now, you know, in season three, uh, it, she's going to marry somebody else and he... Is struggling with is struggling with himself. Okay, should I tell her how she feels before she leaves, before she gets married, or should I just let it go? Because I myself is also flawed, and I just want her to be happy. There's this like um, tug of war that goes back and forth, and when Jervis Tech gets introduced as probably one of the main villains in, in the first half of the season, he's more of a adjunct or he he brings that out in bruce right not only yeah he has it in his own storyline you know he has to find his sister alice and of course alice has the poison blood and whatnot um but it's great because now you have a villain that serves a purpose that goes into this storyline then you have another storyline which is actually i mean it's actually kind of funny you have penguin who essentially falls in love with Edward Nigma. Yeah. <laughs> and then Edward Nigma falls in love with a woman and then Penguin has her killed. And he's because, mayor yes. now. <laughs> and now he's also mayor. So Oswald comes full circle here and then you have that storyline here. Then you have Bruce and Selena who, you know, are, are are they dating? Are they not? I mean, if you ask Selena, she's She's like, what is this and whatnot? And Bruce is like, yes, you know, you're, you're mine, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the Court of Owls. Yes. Who, if you read any Batman, if you read any, you know, Batman comic or whatnot, they are always going to be the thorn in Batman's side in Gotham. They are the Illuminati of Gotham and whatnot. 
and they're there, and Bruce, although he's still a teenager and stuff like that, he's trying to, you know, fight them and, you know, figure out what they're up to and whatnot. I love it. I currently, you know, am a fan of it because, like I said, everybody has a purpose, and it feels natural. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you you feel for, uh, spoiler alert, you feel for... Uh, Lee and, and Jim because he kills you know Falcone or whatnot after the wedding right. and you're like ah you know but she'll never know and he'll just look like she just he murdered her and blah 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 um yeah because naturally the knife that Mario was holding goes into the water and floats away <laughs> so there's yeah, of course <laughs> there's not going to be any proof and you know that's obviously where we have left off and we also get poison ivy in this season and oh do we ever and she (laughs) sort of in season two had this moment where she fell into some rushing water or something and selena couldn't save her and selena thinks she's gone until you know she suddenly comes back and we did get these nice little moments with her like she comes out of whatever state she had been in and sort of not really knowing who she is. She finds this guy. He's not taking care of his plants properly. And it's just a nice little side story. And I feel like they've done a great job with not making you feel like you're smothered in this. You know, we have the Bruce clone, we have Poison Ivy, we have the Court of Owls, and we have the whole thing with Lee and Mario getting married. And none of it really feels overwhelming. It's like they finally figured out the right amount of time to spend on each of these things to sort of make these stories run together. And even with the whole Jervis and Alice Tetch thing, that sort of has been more of the overarching part of this season, especially with Barnes being infected and then Mario was infected. And, you know, we see that in the f- the mid-season finale when Jim shoots Mario. So where do you think we're going to move on to some predictions now? Where do you think season three goes from here? And with that, how many seasons do you think we're going to get out of Gotham now that it seems people are p- probably more into season three than they were the previous two seasons? Well, first off, uh, Father Falcone is not going to be none too pleased to find out that that uh, Jim killed his uh, killed Mario. Right. Uh, he warned him. <laughs> you remember he warned him to stay out of it, and he's probably gonna gonna retaliate. Like he's yeah. probably gonna put a hit out on on him. Um, I I probably with the Penguin storyline. He's probably going to lose it. You know what I mean? Because Nid, you know, Nigma's not too keen on, uh, you know, the whole love thing. And, and plus, you have Barbara and and Butch and them planning to get back at Penguin. So there's going to be that mob dynamic that happens. Yeah. Um, with Bruce and Selena, we just met. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, we just met Selena's mom. Right. Which was kind of weird. Which is kind of weird and out of the blue. Um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. Uh, you know, they're probably going to still keep on fighting the court. 
but I think the main storyline that we're going to find here is that Lee's probably going to hate Jim. I mean, let's be honest. Cause, I mean, yeah. anytime you kill somebody's husband, you know, they're, they're going to hold that against you. And to see how Jim is going to cope with probably never having Lee because you, you're not going to find that murder weapon. And, um, and, and how Falcone uh, responds. I think, um, how many seasons? I would love, I would love to see this show go into like the Smallville route, um, where they have enough seasons where you get to, uh, see Bruce kind of, I don't know, necessarily put the bat suit on, but like, like go out on his first, you know mission or whatnot but i i still think that we're still many seasons away or whatnot but i would like to see it that route yeah and i think when i mentioned earlier they could you know jump three to five years at some point because as we know in the comics and everything bruce goes away yeah and then he takes a very long time to come back but in this version Bruce is still in Gotham and everything. So I wonder if they're going to go that direction. And, you know, obviously with the actor they have portraying Bruce right now, he's not going to be bulking up anytime soon, basically. Like, (laughs) he's a very small person in relation to what Bruce looks like in the comics and everything, especially when he becomes... Batman because he spent all of these years training and everything so he's sort of put on that bulk and I don't know if they want to go the direction of recasting someone if they do that time jump there but I'm hoping we get you know at least five or six seasons out of this before anything happens because I mean when it's a network like Fox obviously it's a lot harder to probably keep shows on Whereas, you know, with the DC Berlaniverse on the CW, the CW is never really going to do the numbers that stations like CBS, Fox, NBC, and those channels and everything do. So I think they kind of have more room to keep these shows on and develop them further. So I'm hoping we get that with Gotham because there's still so much that happens between now and Bruce really taking those steps to become Batman that I think they should let it play out. But another thing I wanted to bring up very quickly before we go here is we haven't seen much of Harvey Dent in season three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he was more of a series regular in season two, and it's sort of like we don't really get too much of that. And in the comics, Bruce is the one that is friends with Harvey Dent. But here, there's such a big age gap. I kind of wonder what they're going to do with that and if they are, in fact, going to make Harvey Dent Two-Face. I'm not sure... I, I, I'm i not sure if they're going to... How old is Harvey Dent? Uh... It's, I mean, in this, he probably has to be 
late 20s, late 20s, early 30s, because, you know, he's had to go through undergrad law school and he's now the district attorney or whatever. So that probably took a few years to get to as well. So, you know, he's at least 10 to 15 years older than Bruce in this. Which is weird because when once he, you know, gets the acid thrown in his face, he's still the district attorney. Right. So I don't know. Like, what the... I feel like that's sort of one of those things maybe they didn't think through all the way because we have Selena and Ivy and Jerome, if he does become Joker, sort of at these appropriate ages. And I mean, obviously, Cobblepot and Nygma are older, but they're not so much older that it would be unrealistic that they sort of start doing their thing before Batman becomes Bat or before Bruce becomes Batman. Yeah, because it says, because I was reading that, you know, at, he's uh, elected about six months before Batman begins his war on crime, and he's 26. Yeah. So you got to see that in the show, he's got to be at least close to that age. So you have to, I, I mean, I know he, you know, forges an alliance with Gordon and Batman to, like, get Maroney and Falcone gone but yeah i kind of agree with you they may have pulled the trigger on this too soon yeah because you know nigma and cobblepot they're not necessarily in positions that would take x amount of time to get to because nigma you know he was the lab guy at the police station and everything and you know that's definitely a job that would be believable for someone in their early to mid-20s or something like that. And I guess we don't really know how old Bruce is in this. I mean, we know he's in the teen years somewhere, but we don't know where on that spectrum he falls. So it's sort of a little unclear on how they are going to move forward with certain characters. But I do like, you know, obviously they've kept Selena Kyle around the same age as Bruce and everything. So there's just a few things that I think they might run into problems with in future seasons. Yeah, I would assume that they would have some sort of plan and whatnot. I mean, just looking at the show and, and looking at uh, Selena and, and whatnot, they have to be at least 16, 17. Right. Because I'm guessing, like, the actors around that age. So, I mean, like, if they grow up, <laughs> you can't be, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, like, it, it kind of goes back to what you said. We could, you know, it could be season five and you do the time jump. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, five years later and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you normally, you wouldn't have... I don't think you would have Bruce there because, you know, he went away and he joined the League of Shadows and whatnot. But um, there are, if you look at the, like, the Batman folklore yeah. and whatnot, there are a lot of instances where you can you can go into and you could kind of enrich the story. Um, as long as you have a stable work frame to go in it, you can't go back to, like, season one. It is... This is a great cast, so you have to kind of give it a little bit more structure and just, like, let them be them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so I think, you know, how they finish out season three will probably really determine 
who they are moving forward with as far as, you know, sort of these main villains and characters and everything. And while I would like to see some sort of time jump, I think it really does depend on how many times the show gets renewed for a new season. Because obviously, if, you know, they do season four and then they find out season five will be their last season, maybe they go ahead and do that time jump between seasons four and five and sort of bring Bruce back maybe a few episodes into the season, like give us a glimpse of what Gotham has been like while he's been away and then bring him back and sort of leave us hanging there with him becoming Batman. Or like even a shot of him in, you know, the first instance of a Batcave. Right. We do see that secret passageway behind the fireplace and everything already that his dad had. And, you know, that's when he brought Lucius Fox in to sort of help with these things. So it's like we're getting these little pieces here and there. And I think it's not unreasonable to think that Lucius might already be working on stuff for Bruce, even though he's currently working at the police station, which is another little weird thing going on there. Lucius being at Gotham PD instead of yeah. <laughs> Wayne Industries. Wayne but, Enterprises. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, but I really do like where they're going with season three so far. So do you have any final thoughts on the show? It comes back uh, January 16th. Um, I... Like I said, like I was kind of wavering in the first season as I was reviewing it. I'm like, oh boy, you know what I mean? Like they, it, it's too much, too quick, right? And like there's too much water on the boat, too quick it might drown. But then they really started to settle in, and now I'm really, um, I'm really intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see where this goes. I'm really intrigued to see where Gordon goes, or how how Bruce and his teenage state fights the court of you know the court of owls like that's this is this is a secret society um but yeah like i'm invested in the characters from like the first time since this series started and i just want to all right what's the end game like how is everybody gonna not everybody's gonna have a happy happily ever and i do think that like maybe a couple people don't make it but uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. And I think they've sort of set themselves up for a lot of different options here, too. You know, we could always see Fish Mooney come back. And obviously, ha having Jada Pinkett Smith on the show is probably pretty costly for them. So I think that's why her appearances sort of have toned down and she's not in it quite as much. But I know some people weren't thrilled necessarily with her as sort of a different character and not really someone who's prominent in the comics or anything, but I think she, I don't want to say she overplays the character, but she is giving such a dramatic performance and I think it sort of fits very well with the Gotham theme and everything because, you know, this city is one that's supposed to be wildly violent and all of these things that you know typically most cities are not and i know obviously there are plenty of places that are crime ridden and everything but gotham is just like 
10 times sort of what the real world is almost. Yeah, I, I think Fish Mooney in the first season, everybody was like, oh, it's a mob boss. Like, oh, she's just trying to fight for the city. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just like, oh, well, you know, she's just a placeholder here. Oh, she's so annoying. When she came back from Indian Hill, it kind of gave her a little sense of purpose. Like, yeah. She got these powers, and as she used them, she got weaker. So she tried to find an instance where she can get the powers, and then, of course, Hugo Strange is like, dude, I don't, I don't know I don't know how to do it. Right. And then, you know, that story arc end with them running away into the woods. So they could come back uh, because you still have those Indian Hill inmates popping about. Uh, I think you had uh, one episode you had Man Bat. Which was actually kind of, which is actually kind of cool, um, but yeah, I think, you know, with the affliction that Fish Mooney has, um, it gives another sense to the character, other than just being like, oh well, you know, I'm gonna take over Gotham because you already have like five other people yeah. trying to do the same thing that we're already familiar with. We know the the Falcons, we know Penguin. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting addition, and I think, you know, obviously, the story after she was in Indian Hill and got her powers and everything, that was way more interesting than anything I think she really did in season one, as far as, you know, typical mob boss owning a club, sort of running things through there, but I think the show is in a very good spot now, and I think, you know, that sort of covers it for everything we have to say right now because obviously only two and a half seasons in there's still a lot more this show can do but I just want to thank you for coming on I know like you said you've been reviewing Gotham so I'm looking forward to seeing how the second half of season season three turns out and your thoughts on it but I'll definitely have to have you back on for more nerdy things to talk about we could do comic books or something but yeah yeah (laughs) thanks thank you for having me on this is awesome Yeah, no problem. And to our listeners, as always, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. See ya.